Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. This is what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that with his very breath, he spoke and there was light. John said, in him is life and that life is the light of men. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews tells us this, that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Today what I want to do is continue our series in the study of the gospel of John. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at one verse today. It's John chapter 8 verse 12. It's a great passage because it's a statement that Jesus makes about himself. In John chapter 8 verse 12, this is what Jesus says. It says, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Did you hear that statement? It says, I am the light of the world. That's the highest claim that Jesus has made about himself so far in the gospel of John. And when you read the other claims, I think arguably this will be and stand out as the highest claim he makes. I am the light of the world. So when you hear that phrase, what goes through your mind? When you hear something like that, what are you thinking? What kind of light do you think that Jesus is talking about here? Is he saying that I am the spiritual light? I am the ethical light. I'm the moral light. What's he saying here? Well, let me say this. I believe it's all of the above, including this. The literal light of the world. And someone may be saying, well, wait a minute. Are are you saying that this light is the light that warms me in the daytime? Are you saying this is the light that I see by when I walk around planet Earth? That's exactly what I'm saying. Jesus is the literal light of the world. Now listen to the statement again. There are no qualifications here. There are no exceptions. There are no add-ons. It's an absolute statement. It says, I am the light of the world. See, when I heard that in times past, I would say, yeah, he's the spiritual light. And that's right. He is. But I don't want you to corner him. I don't want you to box him in. I want you to think broadly about him being the light of the universe, the light of the world. He is the one who created what you've just seen on these overhead pictures. He is the light of the world. Without him, there is no light. Without him, we walk in darkness. That's what this word tells us. Remember one of the definitions of God. One of the definitions of God is found in 1 John chapter 1 where it says he is the light. He is absolute in his holiness. He is absolute in his justice. Physical light is one of the most complicated and mysterious things that we know today. As well as one of the most basic needs to live and survive by. So who really knows what it is? Scientists have debated this. Physicists still talk about it today. There's primarily two theories. That light is really a wave. It comes in waves. The other theory is the theory of particles. That it has particles to it. And so these kind of theories have competed back and forth for probably a few centuries. People have talked about it. They've debated it. But let me say this. The last time I checked in with Stephen Hawking, the theory that's winning out right now, currently on the market, is the wave theory. 
and I think about that and, and I put it in practical terms here and I, I, I kind of let my imagination run away with me because it's a startling thing that men and women acting on both sides of these definitions or principles have been able to make remarkable inventions and discoveries. Is light the absence of darkness? Is darkness the absence of light? When we say a room is filled with light, what does that mean? Does it mean that the room is now heavier? It weighs more? There could be no such thing as color without light. Did you know that the red rose is red because it absorbs every other part of light except red? That is the reason we see red in a red rose. It's amazing. No one can really pin it down. And it's mysterious beyond our imagination. And I wonder why it's so mysterious. I have an idea. I have a thought. It's mysterious because it comes from the light of the world. And you'll never understand God totally because God is mysterious to us. He's called us to get to know him. But he also lets us know that it'll take an eternity to try to figure some of this stuff out. God is so deep, he's so wide, there's such strength that comes. We can never comprehend it. We can never get our heads around it. God is a mysterious God. The Bible tells us that the prophets shouted out from the rooftops, we serve and worship a mysterious God, but he's one that we can know. Here's something I want you to think about. Maybe light is made up of both particles and waves. This is where my imagination just runs a little wild here. But when I think about it, the waves are the explosive power of God's word. That when he said, let there be light, there was all the light that you've seen right here and even more. And when he says, let there be light, because his word is eternal, because he's eternal, when he said it, it was as if he said it today because he's eternal. We think 4,000 or 6,000 or 10,000. Why do we confine God in time frames? When he says it, he says it. And I believe that his word is still creating universes that we will never see until we get to heaven. His word is eternal. Wow. Can you believe that he spoke and those waves, those sound waves are still creating in the universe? It's only in the last 15 or 20 years that we see a minute part of what he's created with his imagination. Did you see some of those constellations? Did you see some of those those incubators for stars? And he spoke and he said, let there be light. And light was created And then I think of this. I think the particles is the substance that came from his mouth when he said, let there be light. My imagination just thinks that when God said something, he he, he had this spittle that came out and it was this right here. He just said, let there be light. And there was light. Did you know there are 170 billion observable galaxies today? 170 billion. Can you count that high? And each one of those galaxies has trillions of stars and light forms. And where did it come from? It came from the person that said, I am the very light of the world. It's amazing when you think about it. 
It's amazing when you stop and ask yourself, wow, God is, is God really doing this? And the answer is yes. And yet all of his majesty and all of his greatness, Jesus wants us to understand him through common things. He wants us to understand him through light, which we've talked about, bread, water. He has this masterful way of communicating the ordinary to speak of the extraordinary, the physical to speak of the spiritual, the temporal to speak of the eternal, the here and now to speak of the forever, the limited to speak of the unlimited, and certainly the finite to speak of the infinite. And then, and then we understand that not only is God self-existing, but he meets our everyday needs. Did you know there are a few other I am's in the gospel of John? The one we've heard is I am the light of the world. But he says a few other things. Let me tell you what they are. In John chapter 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, which we just read, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9 says, I am the door or the gateway. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good or great shepherd. In John eleven twenty five, 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then you go to John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then in John 15, 5, he says, I am the true vine. What's he saying there? He's using things that we can understand. He's saying things that when you look at, you understand bread. Uh, You you understand what it means to look at a door. You understand some of these things. And what he wants you to know is that he wants to communicate to you so you understand even more his character, his relationship with you. That's what God is getting at when he does all of this. So the creator of the universe, the one that spoke light into existence, wants to speak to you through an analogy of bread. One of the most common elements, one of the most common things in all cultures is bread. And he wants to talk to you about that. (laughs) So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, what does it mean to us? I mean, how does his light meet our needs? And I have three thoughts when it comes to light meeting our needs. One is this, light brings understanding to our need. Did you know that? When the light shines on something, you see flaws. You see weaknesses. Now, today when we take pictures, we can get the flaws airbrushed. So what the light really captured, we distort it. Because really when light comes, true light comes, it shows everything. It shows our need. We're standing before God in need. Now the story just above this one is John chapter 1 verse 11. And that's the woman caught in adultery. But there's an amazing thing that happens here. It's great. The light exposes the sin, not of the woman caught in adultery so much, but the scribes and the Pharisees. This is what I call the great reversal in the gospel of John. These religious men, they thought they'd trapped Jesus, so they caught this woman in adultery. And the other question I want to know is, where's the man? Why wasn't he brought into this? So here we have it, right here. And what happens is this reversal. They want to convict the woman of adultery, and Jesus says, which of you are without sin? You cast the first stone. 
oh, that had to bring comfort to this woman. There had to be light shining all over. But how you respond to the light makes all the difference in the world. And you see that in the story because one group of people respond in one way and another person responds in a completely different way. How did the scribes and Pharisees respond when the light was shined on them? They ran. They couldn't get out of there fast enough. They ran and hid while this woman who was convicted with a death sentence stood before Jesus and let the light shine on her need. You see, the only way that you can see your need and have God touch it is when you stand and let the light shine. Not run, not go somewhere and hide. But have the light shine on you. It's the same light that caused the scribes and Pharisees to run. That attracted this woman caught in adultery. She didn't run. So let me say this to you. How do I apply it to my life? When the light shines, stand still. When the light shines, stand. And after you've done everything to stand, stand fast. Because it's only in that light that you will experience healing for your life. And this woman knew it. She must have been thinking, oh, I've waited for this for a lifetime. And now I'm standing in the light of God's presence. And I don't want to go because it brings warmth to my life. Because it brings security to me. Because it brings healing that I've never experienced before. And it brings the forgiveness of sins which I need so desperately. You could see her just wanting to be in the presence of the Lord. And whenever this happens, this comes together. Two people, and always warms your heart when two people come together like that. I can imagine Jesus just going to her and talking to her like we see and hear in the gospel. But there's this sense of healing because she stood in the light. Somebody has to initiate that kind of contact. And Jesus does here. He brings that light in this situation. Again, I love shows and movies where, especially at the end, people come together and they're reconciled and something wonderful happens because that really is God's heart. It really is God's heart. Several months ago, we took our kids and our grandkids to Disneyland. And my granddaughter, we bought her a Belle princess dress. It is yellow and it comes with a tiara. The other princesses have different colors of dresses. I know that now. But we bought her this dress and we decided to go to the venue in Disneyland that had all the princesses there so she could see all the princesses. And we went over there and I was surprised. It was jam-packed. You couldn't even get close to these princesses. My family and my little granddaughter was just standing there and it was starting to sink in that there may not be a chance for us to see these princesses and especially Princess Belle. And as we stood there, we looked back into a door about 50 yards away, and the door opened, and out came Princess Belle. Right from the green room, and she saw Ella, and she ran to Ella, and she just picked her up and started hugging her, and I started crying. (laughs) Never thought that would happen. But what I was watching is I was watching two people come together and they wanted to be with each other. They looked like each other. It was amazing. 
And Princess Belle just let us take pictures of her. It wasn't even part of the show. We just started taking pictures and she kissed Ella. Ella was holding on to her. Ella didn't want to leave. She just stood there, wanted to be in her presence. So she stood there and Belle had to go to work. So she went to her station. But you know what she did? Every now and again, she knew Ella was still there. And she would peek out of her little place and she would wave at Ella like this. You see... When Jesus is in our life and we stand still, we don't want to leave his presence because we know good things will happen. Good things can happen in your life. The light of Jesus, remember this, is not meant to bring condemnation. It's not meant to bring shame. We feel that way sometimes. I can tell you what the light of Jesus will do. The light of Jesus will convict us of our sin. The light of Jesus will bring correction to our life. The question, once again, is how do you respond to the light of the world? I think of the story of two men who hours before Jesus was crucified really denied Jesus, denied that really he was their Lord and Savior. And when the light shined on what had happened, one ran one direction and one ran the other. One ran away from the light and one ran to the light and it made all the difference in the world. The one who ran away, the Bible says, ended his own life. In Acts, it gives a pretty graphic description, and I don't know altogether what it means, but it says he burst asunder. Can't be good. Can't be. But he ran away from the light. He had the same opportunity to go into the light. Peter, what did he do? He stood in the light. And then you have a wonderful breakfast Jesus made in John chapter 21 that brought healing. Why? He didn't run. He stayed where he needed to stay. Let's stay where we need to stay. What are some of the reasons that we don't let the light shine on our needs? Can I give you a few that I thought of for me? See if they apply to you. I don't know, but here's a few for me. One is this. We don't want people to know that we have weakness. We don't want people to know we're broken. We don't want people to know we have chinks in our armor, so why go to the light? Wow. So everyone can see my weakness? Can I say this? The safest place you can be is in the light. Because that light will shine, and light allows us to be honest with our needs. To say, yes, Lord, this is my frailty, this is my weakness, these are my temptations, this is my sin. Please shine your light. I don't want to run from it. I think of something else that is true for me, and that's that darkness sometimes becomes your dwelling. You just kind of slip into it. It's a place you call home. You know what you can do in darkness and get away with it? Because it's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. You can be selfish and self-centered and no one will bring correction because you're in the darkness. The only place you get corrected is when you move out of that into the light. Darkness is a place that is thick with selfishness. And number three for me is fear of the unknown. That's another thing that keeps me from going in the light. I don't know what's going to happen. The light shines. What's going to take place? 
Even though we stumble in the darkness, it's sometimes and it's something that we know. We know the darkness. And here's what I want to say to you. Fear can rob us of our will to move forward with Jesus. I think there's some of us, like me at times, have experienced an overwhelming fear because I think about the light and I don't want to move forward. I'm paralyzed with fear. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. You think, I don't want to do this because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know which way this thing's going to go. And what Jesus does again is he says to you, he says to me, I am the light of the world. Come and stand under that light. Here's something else light brings. It brings hope to the hopeless. I love that. If you're hopeless today, there's hope for you. Because when you are in utter darkness, just a little bit of light can bring hope. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that when it's just dark, even in your life, there's a little bit of hope there. And it shines, it burns like a candle. I read a story not too long ago about uh, a master sailor. They, he entered a race in Brownsville, Texas, across the Gulf of Mexico, and they were going to port somewhere in Mexico. And what he decided to do was a year before that, he would take some young men, some novices, some rookies, he would teach them how to sail, and then they would all be in the race together. And so the day came. Everyone's prepared. They're just right there in Brownsville. They take off. Everyone gets into the Gulf of Mexico. They hear the cannon go off and the race starts. About 20 miles into it, like most races, the boats just get a little further apart. And then something happens to this particular boat. The guys that were under deck, they saw water, salt water coming up. They knew they were in trouble. And all of a sudden, the keel snaps. And the boat just lunges into the water without a keel. One man loses his life. The other don their, their, their life jackets. They float around together. And the only thing this seasoned captain can do is keep telling these young men that there will be help coming soon. Uh, stay strong. There will be help. Keep your hope alive. They floated for two and a half days in the Gulf of Mexico. And one night, almost to the end of their rope, where they were totally hopeless, they look into the distance and they see a little light on the mass of another boat. Their hope lifts. Hopelessness is gone. And they are rescued. That's the way light works in our lives. Did you know the Greek word for hope in the New Testament is the word elpes? And it has a part to it. The last part of it is really the root word for pistos or faith. That you would have faith. And this is really what it means. Let me tell you. It means a favorable and confident expectation. Did you know you can ward off a lot of spiritual sickness in your life if you have hope? Did you know that you can ward off a lot of physical sickness in your life when you have hope? I mean real hope. What the Bible says here, it says a favorable and confident expectations that sees even beyond the trials that I'm facing right now, this current moment. I love that. Here's the kind of hope we're talking about. It's the absolute certainty that God is good and his promises are true. And here's something else. Hope is not dreaming or a vague aspiration. It is real and it's based on the promises of God. Your hope will always be tested. You need to know that. Your hope is always tested. There's a test that will come. Maybe it's sickness. It happens in different ways. 
Maybe it's broken bodies or broken homes or debt or death or drugs or failure. And if that's where you are right now, let me, let me read something to you. Because the Bible is the light we need. And it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the light of the world. That's the hope. That's what buoys us up in a time of trouble and trial. Remember, our hope is in the light of Jesus and his light never changes. It's not fickle. Some of you may be saying, well, it's dark. I don't see the light. And I want to say this. I want to be honest with this. Because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Because the light is always there. It's just what's in your way. What's obstructing your vision? Is it something I've already mentioned here? Is something in the way there? Because the light is shining. The light is shining on you. But there are things that do stand in the way as we journey through life. I was walking with my grandson the other day and we were kind of getting jiggy like this and we were going like the sun was on our back and he stopped and he goes, hey, look, Papa, that's me. And he pointed at his shadow. And I thought the only reason there's a shadow is because there's light. And you may be in the shadow. It may even be like this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me, the light of the world. You see, the only way you can get a shadow is because there's light. You can't have a shadow without light. So even the shadow can bring us hope. It says the shadow of death. It doesn't say death. It's the shadow of. Is it the shadow of a broken body? Is it the shadow of debt? Is it the shadow of something? What you need to know is the light continues to shine and will always shine in our lives. Here's something else. I love it. I've given you the New Testament. Let me give you the Old Testament word for hope. You know what it is? Betach. That's what the Jewish or the Hebrew word means. It means this. I love this. It surprised me when I looked at it. It means refuge or safety. I went, wow, this is amazing because you're running from place to place and anytime you're out from safety, you, you, have, you have the uh, possibility of getting killed or hurt or die. And I think of the psalmist who says, and I stand in the shelter of the Almighty. I come to the place of refuge. He is my strong tower in a day of trouble. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. He's the wing that covers me. He is my shelter and my refuge. And because he is, I have hope. Man, I'll tell you, when you're out there beating it up, I'll tell you what will bring hope when you know there's a refuge in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. You have a place to go. You have a safe place to go. And I combine the two, if that's okay, the New Testament and the Old Testament, and this is what I came up with. We have a confident expectation that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, is our refuge and our safety. That's why I can hope. That's why you can hope. And then the last thing is this. 
The last thing is light brings guidance to those who are set free. You need guidance in your life. You, you can't wander. You're in a journey. You need direction. And here's what I think this looks like in an everyday living situation. It comes from Psalm 119 beginning at verse 5 or 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So here's the first principle in receiving God's guiding light. Number one, know his word. That's the very first principle, that you would know the word of God. You cannot have guidance if you don't understand and know the word. So the first thing, the first principle in guidance, in living every day, is to know God's word. The second principle is to commit to his will. I can't believe how often we're wishy-washy about the will of God. And God says, you commit to my will, and you will have guidance in your life. But you have to commit to the will of God. The plan, the purpose that God has for you. And then the third principle for guidance in your life is this, is to trust in God's ways. I don't know where you stand here, but this is one of the hardest ones for me. You know why? Because his ways are higher than my ways. Sometimes I don't have a clue what he's doing. That's just the way it is. I see through a glass darkly, and I'm trying to sort this out with God, and God says, I'm going to give you my way, and I'm thinking, man, I'd take another way. I wouldn't go that way. I'd go this way. And God says, go ahead, because if you do, you are going to wander for a long, long time. You're going to go around that mountain again and again. He says, hey, follow my ways, even if they seem odd to you, even if they see, seem different. Because I want to tell you this. God has a destination for you, and he's going to get you there. He's going to get you where he wants you to be. The question is, are you submitting to his way to get there? <laughs> That's a tough one, isn't it? Well, I want it like this. And God says, you need to go like this. And when you do, you'll have guidance you need. And then the last is here. Pray for God's wisdom. His word, his will, his ways, his wisdom. Pray for his wisdom. James says this. I love this about James. I used to read this over and over when I was a punk, you know, because I didn't know anything. And I said, God, I want to know you. I want, I want your way. I want your will. And the, I read this and it brought life. God will give wisdom to all who ask and he won't hold back from any. He won't discriminate when he gives wisdom. When you ask for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. That was such freedom to me. I thought, oh good, I need God's wisdom because I don't know how to sort all this out. I, I don't know what to do with everything life brings to me. I don't know what to do with what people say to me and how I'm supposed to respond. How do I do some of these things? How do I maneuver through some of these difficult places in life? The way I do it is with his wisdom. So ask for wisdom and you'll have guidance. His word, his will, his ways and wisdom. And remember this, you are his children. The Bible says this in John 12, 36. We are called to become sons and daughters of the light. I want to finish where we actually started. Remembering that Jesus is the majestic light of the world. And it's the same Lord who meets your needs. I want us just to take a few moments. And, and I'm going to pray. And I want us to listen carefully to what God's speaking to us. Just for a few minutes. Just what God's saying, we're going to play a song in a minute. But I want you to hear what the word of the Lord is for you. And after we're done, we're going to have people around here that you can go to and have prayer with. But for now, would you just bow your head just for a moment. 
Lord, we just come to this place and we respond to what you've said to us the way that you have taught us in your word. That the light brings understanding to our need. And I, I think that's the thing that captures probably my attention the most. But we also know that light brings hope to the hopeless. And then light brings guidance to those who are set free. Thank you for your light. Thank you for being the light of the world. Absolutely. Lord, I just pray that you would touch our lives. That we just take these next few moments and ask you the things that we need to hear. Lord, that you would do that. That you would take care of that. In Jesus' name. Let me say this to you before we do this. Something the Lord wants me to say to you. Obedient servants is a thing, something that we need to pursue. I was thinking about my own life, being a servant of God. And I said, God, I want to be obedient to you every day. The Lord says, well, you need to back it up a little bit. Well, I want to be obedient to you then, Lord, every hour. And the Lord said, you need to back it up a little more. I said, Lord, I want to be obedient to you every moment. Today, I want us to have ears to hear the Spirit of God, to be obedient at the very moment. But it's not in the future, but it's now. What is he saying to you now? Because he's speaking. Do you have ears to hear? That's what God is saying to us today. Be obedient this very moment. Let's listen to this together.
you go ahead and stand with me? Would you do that? I'm going to ask that you just take the hands of the people that are next to you and we would say, Lord, we want to stand in your light and that you can breathe life into us. For those that are sick, let God breathe his life into you and bring healing. I pray that in Jesus' name. For those that need provision, I pray that the breath of life be breathed upon you. In your hopeless situation, God would bring light to you. For those that are trapped, for those that are running in circles and don't know how to get off, where's the off-ramp? Let God be the trailblazer and pathfinder for you. Stand in his light. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your amazing grace in our lives and that you would bring light and life to us. You have blessed us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And we say amen and amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.